Hello, thank you for um, listening to our podcast today from uh, Hempson's. We are um, talking about retirement for GPs uh, leaving their practices. It may be that you are thinking of going off into the sunset or perhaps you're thinking of moving to another job. So uh, legally, that is a retirement from a partnership and um, you, or you may be doing 24-hour retirement. So I'm delighted to be joined today by James Gransby of RSM Accountants and Paul Gordon of MacArthur Gordon. Paul is an expert on pensions and the pension schemes, and James is an expert on the tax provisions. Uh, I am a lawyer, so I look at more of a sort of partnership deeds and what that means. So, uh, Paul, perhaps you could just uh, tell us something about the complications. I mean, why are there three pension schemes for GPs? That's a very good question. Uh, and actually, uh, the complications will escalate from the 1st of April uh, because we see the impact of the age discrimination case impacting many. Uh, there are three schemes. It will depend upon when people first joined and started paying into the NHS pension. So there is a pre-2008 scheme known as the 1995 section, a pre-2015 but after 2008 known as the 2008 scheme, and then the more recent 2015 version which effectively softens the pain for central payments to the NHS pension. Uh, it eases the ongoing burden because it has a later retirement age and different accrual rates. Um, all three are exceptionally good pension schemes, but they do differ. And it's important to understand where uh, you as a GP or a member of the NHS scheme sit, which versions you have and what the implications of those schemes are. So it's not necessarily that if you were in the uh, the 1995 scheme, you're going to be better off than if you're in the in a later scheme. Uh, not automatic. Uh, certainly, popular consensus is that the earlier scheme is favoured by many because it provides an automatic pension and lump sum whenever you retire, and you can retire at 60 as a normal retirement age without a reduction. Um, that is definitely a popular conversation at the moment, but certainly those that are retiring later than 60, perhaps 65 or even later, uh, the newer versions of the scheme may well actually give better benefits uh, in terms of pension, and they can still access a lump sum if they choose by giving up one pound of income for 12 pounds of lump sum. So when they're thinking of retiring, uh, just to James, I've heard that um, they can get capital gains tax relief. When's that going to apply? Okay, so we're looking here now at um, owner-occupied properties where partners own the, the surgery property or a share of it. Um, as we speak, so we're recording this on the 16th of March 2022, which is a week before the budget. So as I speak, there's potential for a 10% capital gains tax rate on sale. Um, it may be different by the time this podcast gets released because there's murmurings that that may increase at some point. You do have to meet certain conditions to be able to qualify for this 10% rate. Um, but generally, if as long as you're not holding the property as an investment asset and you sell it within three years of retirement, um, you probably might, you probably would meet the 10% conditions. But the other thing to think about when um, selling the property is getting the price right. And, and during the seminar a moment ago, I gave an example of somebody who'd had a valuation at um, 1.3 million 
themselves. This was the retiring partner, but the bank was only willing to lend 1.2 million to the ongoing partners. So it's trying to find that willing buyer and willing seller fix uh, price as well, which which is a bit of a challenge sometimes. But um, that's something. Yeah, and that's of about. course if your partnership deal allows for it, because there may be other provisions in it as to what happens when you're retiring and what happens to the property. Uh, and some, because of that problem of the shortfall, are actually keeping the property as an investment. But then I guess you don't get your retirement relief. Yep. So it's potential and it's called business asset disposal relief now. Some people on the, listening to this might understand it as entrepreneur's relief that went out a couple of years ago. So being replaced with business asset disposal relief. That's right. So you've got a three year window in which to sell. Otherwise, the capital gains tax rate at the moment is 20 percent. Justin, I'd also suggest perhaps making sure that, that those listening in are aware of both the annual allowance, which is quite painful uh, for many reasons, not least the more successful or higher earning a practice you are, potentially the greater the tax liability on a pension growth you can endure. And that may well be 10 or 20 years into the future. Uh, you need to be aware of, of the implications of exceeding previously just 110,000 of total taxable income from all sources. Now it's 200,000. And as James mentioned earlier on, we do have an upcoming budget, so there could still be changes. The tax implications now are that you could end up writing quite significant checks for being members of the scheme or whichever scheme you're in and making sure that you have your up to date pension information in terms of the total reward statements and also the annual allowance growth figures from NHS Business Services Authority. They can be contacted directly on 0300 330 1346. And in a number of cases, they've actually provided the growth figures over the phone, which in, their, in turn can be forwarded on to the various accountants who will be able to process them and clarify if any tax charges exist. That will further unravel on the 1st of April because of the age discrimination case, which will effectively go live. And those impacted that have seen growth in two schemes, potentially the more recent 2015 scheme, that will become zero for the seven year period, 2015 to 2022. So essentially, uh, securing information now is definitely helpful and could be forwarded on to accountants, but there'll be revisions to that information anyway. Um, but it must be done because what you don't want to do is fall behind with revenue and customs because they potentially charge interest uh, and even penalties. Yeah, yeah, that's a um, good one to remember that. Um, and, and what about, um, uh, James, you were talking about double taxation if you don't get, you don't sort out your retirement date at a proper time. Um, just to explain that again. It was more about the, um, the the scenario where you can retire, and I gave examples in, in the presentation earlier of somebody retiring on the 31st of March 2022 who've only got one more tax payment to make, which could be their July 2022 instalment, and then that will be then done. Um, whereas if somebody had a 30th of April year end and they retired on the 30th of June because they've now tripped into not only another tax year, they've also tripped into another accounts year, they could find that they'll then have a 31st of July 2022 tax payment, another January 2023, another July 2023 as well, and they might not get their capital paid out to them until well into 2024. 
And the example I gave was 120,000 profit generating 45,000 pound annual tax. and have 56,000 pounds worth of tax to pay after their retirement date. So the message to take away was if the practice is saving for your tax, make sure they've saved enough. And if the practice aren't saving for the tax, make sure you've saved enough. But I think one of the things that was throughout all of our presentations earlier, uh, one of the main things was to make sure that everybody has a clean exit, which is fair for both the retiring partner and the partners that are left behind. And I know, Justin, you spoke about partnership deeds and so on. So um, clean exit being a big topic. Yeah, I mean, planning for your planning for your retirement is really important. I mean, you know, not only, as Paul was saying, with the pensions and then what, um, uh, pension provision you have and what schemes you're in and so on but also as you said with that um, overlap relief and making sure you're not paying for that and um, yeah the point I was making was first of all ensure that you have got retirement provisions agreed with your partners that should be in your partnership deed uh, but if it isn't then this is the time to agree the terms on which you're going to retire because as a partnership at will there is a danger that your only way out is to dissolve the partnership, which could mean that they lose their GMS contract. So um, nobody wants that um, and nobody wants to leave on a sour note. So the important thing is um, to agree the basis on which you can retire, um, whether there are going to be any restrictions, if you want to go and work elsewhere, um, they might say you can't work at the neighbouring practice or something like that. Um, that you will get um, QOF and IIF payments, which will be made may be made after you've retired. Um, and also, uh, you know, if a number of you want to retire at the same time, for the practice to survive, there needs to be some sort of a staggering of that, so that uh, people have, uh, so the practice has a chance to recruit and continue or maybe um, to uh, find another practice to take them over. So that's important. Um, as And as you were saying, James, to make sure that it, you're, um, if you've got a lease, that you can pass on those liabilities as well. Because the last thing you want to happen is for the practice to close and you've got to pay redundancy costs and you might have a lease around your neck for the next um, whatever number of years. Um, without rent and rates reimbursement, which would be a disaster. Another topic which came up more than once was those not retiring from the practice entirely, but looking to access their pension under 24 hour retirement and then return to the practice afterwards. Yeah, we had um, an interesting case where um, so a partner, there was a two partner practice and one of them exercised their 24 hour retirement, right? Um, they didn't have any agreement in place at all. And when the partner wanted to come back after 24 hours, the other partner said, no, you cannot come back. And there was quite a row about it, as you can imagine, and um, made worse by the fact that the um, partners were husband and wife. So I have a feeling that um, it also ended up in the family courts as well as the commercial courts. But um, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Paul. No, I'm aware of that scenario, actually. Um, I, I would suggest that, that in terms of planning towards retirement, it, it's certainly nicer to discuss your thoughts as far out as realistic. Um, uh, and by that, perhaps if you have a, a 
partnership agreement that says six months notice, likely the CCG may well be similar. If you're able to give the partnership a year's notice or, or something along those lines, what that allows is the practice to consider how it's going to replace the, the outgoing partner, particularly if they're retiring fully. But if they're retiring and returning in, in less capacity, so perhaps less sessions, it also allows them to plan how they're going to fill those additional sessions. Um, and as you mentioned during the session, there could be an order. The partnership agreement is crucial at this point because it could well be that senior partner is able to pull rank. Uh, you may or may not want that to be the case. And you can see an exodus where people rush for the doors ahead of their planned exit because they want to make sure they are next. That's not an ideal outcome. Uh, but if you're able to plan it, you're able to look at what NHS pension figures you have, as importantly, what your expenditure is likely to be. That's really important. If you're able to clear debts and liabilities, if you're able to ensure that the lump sum that you generate is available for you or your family or for whatever purpose you want, that makes sure it's your retirement. If you simply use it to clear all debts and liabilities and it leaves you with zero and you're still running short each month, that's not the retirement many of us dream of. That may mean you have to continue working and that's very different. So, so my suggestion would always be that you plan from outset. You, you set a time frame with numbers, so not necessarily an age, but with numbers. We need 2,000 a month, 3,000 a month, or whatever the figure, and try and use a bank statement to run through where that expenditure is going to head. If it's going to be a mortgage, if we can clear that earlier, if it's going to be on the children's education costs, if that can be covered off. Uh, it just making sure that it works so you get the retirement that you would like. Yeah, good advice. And um, so, James, have you got any uh, further advice that you would give people before retiring? Plan for the retirement, echoing Paul's comments, know your numbers, including your tax liabilities post retirement so they don't come as a shock. Um, otherwise, you may not have as much in retirement as you thought you might have. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point actually during the session about um, putting aside money um, during during your um, working time for that uh, hit, potential tax hit when you retire. Yeah, so an example I gave was if you own a property um, and you've had mortgage capital recycling, so you've released some of your equity in the past, but you haven't put some of that aside for your capital gains tax, you could find that when you retire, if the mortgage value is roughly the same as your property value, you're not going to get much from your capital in that sense. But the capital gains tax could be quite large if you've held the property a long time and it's gone up in value. Um, so, and I'll refer to something called a dry capital gains tax liability. So hopefully every time you have a capital recycling or if you if you haven't done it before, then next time one comes up, just put some of that aside in case the corporation tax is there and probably not just 10% because that may not be around forever, may not even be around by the time you listen to this. But um, if save a bit more so that you're comfortably off it's always better to save a bit more tax than not enough yeah absolutely so um you know look at your partnership deed um check what your pension schemes are um and make sure that um there isn't that rush for the door um you may have in your partnership deed a provision about the last man standing so that if um there are, the number of partners is down to two or three, then you um, 
are obliged with your other partners to see whether um, you will dissolve the practice and um, how to do that so that one person is isn't left um, holding all those liabilities. Thank you very much again, Paul and James, um, Paul Gordon from MacArthur Gordon and James Gransby from RSM. And uh, please, if you've got any questions, do contact us. <laughs>